we're having really a good time in this series. Now, we're halfway through. This is the third week of a six-week series, and it's really been fun. It's called Health Check, and we like it when we are healthy. How many of you like to be healthy? And it's always a challenge, and, and physical health is very, very important, but I, I'm telling you, spiritual health is very important as well. How many of you get a physical about every year? Okay, some of you are not so good. Okay, my wife makes me, so she's like, you, have you had your physical yet? Oh, I'll get, no, have you had it yet? When, when's the date? So, so I, I go in there, and my, you know, and it's, what do they do? They, they test stuff, you know, they, they want to do a blood test, they want to look at your body, they even want to sometimes put their hands on you, and my experience is always kind of crazy, because I go into my doctor for my annual checkup, you know, and, and sometimes you have to, like, take your shirt off and your pants off, and and it's just kind of, you know, the nurse is helping me, and she's like, great sermon Sunday. And I'm like, okay, you know, here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge, but, but there's vulnerability involved in checkups, right? You're vulnerable. Well, that's what today is. That's what this week, that's what this whole series is. Timberline is such an outward-focused church that we get caught up in helping our city, our world, building churches, building homes for kids, orphan care. We do all kinds of stuff. This series is about us. How are we doing? That's the health check it's about. And the reason we're doing this is because it matters. And we've looked, Pastor Jeff, go back and watch online. If you haven't been able to be here the last couple weeks, he talked about being devoted what does it mean to have a commitment to church, the church, not just a building, but the church, to say, I'm here, I'm one of these, I'm in this family. And then last weekend, to, to continue to learn. What does it mean to be a student? Teaching was a part of the early church. And it's very important that we continue to learn. So I have a question for you to kind of kick it all off. So think about this. Is Jesus all you need? <laughs> so fun to be up here. I look around, I see people go, it's like no eye contact, you know. Or they go, is Jesus all you need? How many of you know it's a trick question? Sorry, it is a trick question. Because Jesus is all you need when it comes to your salvation your redemption, being bought back. His death and resurrection means you, by your faith in him, have eternity with God forever. He's all you need. Amen to that is right. However, Jesus taught us that when you get him, you get us. And you can't just have him Without loving us. If someone ever said to me, Jerry, let's be friends, but I want to leave your bride out of it. I would say, no thanks. God doesn't like it when people say, I love God, but I can't stand the church. That doesn't make sense. We're his bride. So when you get God, you get us, the family. We are called the sons and daughters of God. We're, we're family. Wow, sorry. <laughs> Just what you need is more family, right? 
Oh my goodness, this is such a challenge. Well, Acts 2 is going to open us up to what it really means to understand some of these words that are on the front of your program. Everything on that page, all six of those matter. And, And this is what we need to be doing as a church. We need to be good at all six of these. You need to have a plan for all six of these in your life. I remember in fourth grade, I had a really cool Sunday school teacher named Mr. Brownlee, and, and he, he was just amazing. He would kind of come around the table with us fourth grade boys, and he would talk to us about life and our week. And when we came across this word, I'll never forget this, we were talking one day about fellowship. And that's kind of a stuck, boring Bible word. Like, you don't use that word in, in everyday language pretty much. And we didn't really know what it was, and he said, guys... Let me just give you an easy way to kind of remember what fellowship really is. He said, it's like a bunch of fellows in the same ship. <laughs> I don't know how good that is in a Bible definition, but it's pretty good, isn't it? So it's, it's, it's being together, going in a unified direction. That's what fellowship is. And the Greek word is koinonia. Have you ever heard that word? We're going to talk about that word today. Acts 2, verse 42, 3,000 people were saved, you know, and and the church is born. It's the very beginning of the church. And all the believers, here it is, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's why we have teaching in church. And to the koinonia, the fellowship, the community. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which next weekend we're going to share communion and talk about what that means. And to prayer. The following week, we're going to really focus on prayer. So number one in your outline. We need to understand what this word means, koinonia. So I want to give you just a, some, some Bible understanding about the word itself. And then we'll make some application into our everyday lives. This word is used 19 times in the New Testament as koinonia. The the verb of the word, there's, there's actually some renditions of, a, of it being an adjective word as well, multiple times in the New Testament. It's used in the context a couple times with marriage. So community, koinonia, closeness, intimacy. It's used in the context of deep friendship, a longing to be together. It's used by the word in the New Testament translated partnership. When, when Paul says, you have been my partner in the gospel, we have had koinonia, we have had community, we've been together, we've sat and listened, we've wept together, we've, we've laughed together. It's used in a deep meaning of trust and love for other human beings. So koinonia is a part of the church. Now, here's the thing that's very important that makes it different than just having a friend without connecting it to God. Koinonia is a word that is made possible through the union with God. It's a word that connects spirit and soul, not just flesh. So lots of people have good friends that are not believers. But they don't necessarily have koinonia. Koinonia is because of what God did for us through his son. Our faith puts us in a family that you do not have without that faith. So it's different than just some other type of friendship. 
We are truly in relationship. This is a bond that comes from God. It's a spiritual connection that involves your soul and your heart. You go clear back to the beginning. In Genesis, what does God say? Let us make man in our own image. Do you know in the beginning it's community? That's what the Trinity is. So the nature of God is koinonia. His very existence, which has always been, has been koinonia. Let us make man in our own image. So there is an innate desire in every created human being for community. Everybody with me so far? You have this need. I have this need. I've got to understand how important that is. Number two, this goes sort of against our culture. Against is probably too strong of a word, but it pushes on our culture, that's for sure. This idea that we need each other. This idea that I need to be connected to other people. Our culture sort of pushes for independence. You know, be a man's man. You don't need anybody else. Suck it up. Get it done. You can do the, You can handle this. Take care of yourself. All the phrases that basically pull me out of koinonia and try to get me to believe that I'm strong without anybody else in my life. Matter of fact, many things in our culture teach us to become competitive quickly. How many of you have ever ridden on an airplane? You know, I don't fly all that much, but, but I have been on those planes where let's say there's three seats on one side, three on the other, and there's a problem the minute you walk in to sit down because there are only four armrests and there are six arms. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And some people will quickly claim their turf, and you can't even get your elbow in there. I mean, it's theirs. There's a competition that says, mine. That's a word kids learn before they can talk. Mine. How many of you have seen a kid like that? How many of you met people, that's the only word they still know? Yes, mine. The line at the grocery store, you see them coming and they're going to go to your line and you need a head. You're in a hurry and you, you walk a little faster. You want to get in there. And about the time you get there at the same time and they say, oh, go ahead. You say, oh, are you sure? <laughs> Competition, parking spaces. I can take a lot of stress out of you in Fort Collins as we grow as a community and I love our community. Just park way back there somewhere at the end. It's so nice. There's no fight. There's no worry. You're not driving up and down looking for, you know, 20 steps closer. Just get your steps. Get, get out. There's no one around you. Take two, take two spaces. No, don't do that. <laughs> that creates a whole other problem. But enjoy it. Coworkers, you know, I see coworkers in competition. Someone said to me, this, this guy I work with wants my job, and he's trying to make our boss see that he's better at it than I am, and it's stressful. And so there's this competitive thing. Bonnie and I were in a store, that's my wife, the other day, actually this week, and we, were, we had a wonderful helper. They were just great. They were going online and looking with us, and we were trying to build the shelf thing, and, and they came up with all this help, and, and they were wonderful. So at the very end, we just said, thank you so much. You have helped us. We'll come back to order this. That's exactly what we need. And then they stopped us and said, would you mind, handed us their card with their name on it, would you mind going online and, and 
putting a 10 on a review under my name and also our department because we're we could really use it we're lagging a little behind in, in, in our store with this department and reviews and stuff and we said sure you, it, and it was a 10 experience and, and we are but but here's the thing that I was I walked out with here's somebody doing a great job that needs someone to say good job they need affirmation we all need affirmation Koinonia is that ability to recognize when someone's doing a good job. Let's be a church. When we see someone doing a good job, we say, good job. Let's practice. Good job. People need affirmation. People need to feel like they belong. Number three, the best word to describe this word koinonia, I think in our culture, is simply the word community. Community. And there are, there are many, you know, dictionary sources, resources that you can look. If you just look up the word community, let me just quickly give you an overview. This is out of a Webster dictionary. A group of people living together in a place like a county, a country, a city, practicing common ownership. Another definition. All the people living in a particular area, the community... The people of a district or country considered collectively in the context, this is important, of social values and responsibilities. And then one more. And I found this one interesting because this is a Webster dictionary and they actually use the word fellowship, (laughs) kind of a Bible word, to describe community. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. That's community. That's what we are. That's what God has made us to be. And people have a need to belong to a group. That need comes from God. That's given to us. Let us make man in our own image. If we are in his image, then there needs to be an us. Following me? So we need other people in our world. I, I started having fun with this in my research for this message. And I, I promise I won't bore you with this, but I'll make it really fast. So I, I put in my computer, I Googled, how many groups can I belong to? And the first thing that popped up was a Facebook thing that said, you can belong to 6,000 groups. 6,000. And then it had a little sentence that said, If you want to belong to more than this, you'll need to delete some of the 6,000. 6,000 groups. 6,000. So I thought, I I couldn't even come up with 6,000 groups. What is that? So I tried to find a group there wasn't a group for. So like, for instance, I put, is there a group for sawdust? I did. I, I did. Do this. Yes, there is. There is. They make candles. They make art. They, they put it together. They glue it. They paste it. They color code it. They do all kinds of things with sawdust. So I said, okay, let's try bananas. Oh, yeah, tons. I mean, it was like lots of banana groups from how you cook them to art with them and all that. Soup groups. Well, I figured there would be, but I just couldn't think of anything better. So then I came up with my best idea, toes. <laughs> this is gross, right? No one's going to have... Yes, there is. There are groups that do toes. And they have art with your toes. They have configurations with your toes. They paint faces with your toes in creative ways. 
They also, there's one, one group that teaches you how to move your toes independently from the others. <laughs> now you know, thank God for church. <laughs> toilet paper, yes, tons of groups for toilet paper. Games and artwork. Seriously, I'm not, you can't make this stuff up. People like doing something in common with other people. And just about everything has a group. We don't like to be alone in our thinking. Now, think about how this plays out in our country. It feels good to us when people want to be in our group. It feels good to us when there's like-mindedness, when we share a conviction and we agree on it because we've thought it through. How many of you are, are right most of the time? <laughs> yeah, you are. And you've thought about it. And that's why you're right. And that's why you take time to help people see your point of view. And if they don't have your point of view, then they are wrong. And people belittle them and mock them and attack them. And we try to get others to dislike them. Because they're not part of our thinking, our group. You can take someone who is completely shy, who doesn't even want to meet anybody, and you know how they'll meet people? They'll meet them online. Gaming, people who play games online play with people all over the world. Never meet them, but they become good friends. It's just another world, dating, writing, all these things. Why? The need to be in community, the need to be connected. It's very real. Number four, what are some ways that we try to find community. Now, this is, this is really, it gets kind of the heart of some of the challenges about community. And we're going to be pretty upfront about this and real. Because it's not always easy to find genuine, godly community. Yeah, you can, you can join a fishing group and probably meet some friends, but that's not koinonia. What do I need to do to have real koinonia in my life? So first... As I said, you've got to realize that God created this in us. That's important. And it's a good thing. God desires for us to be together. However, I've met a few Christians along the way that pretty much want to isolate and be left alone. That's not evil. It doesn't mean it's going to keep you out of heaven. But when you dig a little deeper, you will find a wound you will find a relationship that's gone bad. You will find rejection. You will find betrayal. Have any of you ever been, don't raise your hand, but in your mind been hurt by someone in the church? I have. I've been stunned, shocked. That's why we always say, keep your eyes on Jesus, but here's the tension. We need to keep our eye on each other as well. If I just focus on Jesus, I'm not doing community the way Jesus wants me to. So what am I supposed to do with this pain? What am I supposed to do with these challenges? <laughs> Years ago, we took some of our pastors here at Timberline on a hike, those that wanted to go. And we found this trail that they warned us down at the bottom. They said, look, about a mile into the trail, you're going to find a, a sign. There's a fence. There's this guy who owns a couple acres right in the middle of the National Forest, do not go onto his property. Stay on the trail. Don't even look at him. He yells at people if they look over the fence. 
We're like, what? So sure enough, we get about a mile up the trail. We're coming up this hill on the left-hand side. There is a sign, and I wrote this down. And this is an exact quote, and it's a hand-painted sign, like a brush, and it just says this. It's not like nice lettering or anything. It's on this piece of plywood. And it says, says this, if you trespass, I will shoot you, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I am not, in capitals, kidding. And I stopped there for a minute at the sign, and I thought, what happened to this guy? I, I'm going to go ask him. <laughs> what, what happened? And then Bonnie said, no, you're not. I said, no, I'm not. I read the sign again and said, no, I'm not. But I wonder what happened. And that's, that's what happens sometimes in the kingdom of God when something happens to someone you don't understand and they're working through that betrayal and that rejection. And church is not their favorite place. And Christians are not their favorite people. Why? Because they thought it was a place where I could trust somebody. And they were wounded. Man, this is a, this is, that's why koinonia, and here's the problem. Satan offers a counterfeit. See, everything that's good that God made, Satan offers something that looks good and enticing, but it ends up in destruction. All pornography is, it's Satan's way of making you believe you could have intimacy. But you can't. So many sins, you know, using people instead of loving them, getting what I need, getting what I want, fake online identity. It's a substitute for being genuinely who God made you to be because you're not satisfied with who you are, lying about accomplishments or your education or you can become a whole other person online and no one's going to question you. It's a huge problem in our culture. Why? I want somebody to notice me and I want to be someone I'm not and I'm not happy with who I am. Koinonia in God's plan drives into that insecurity and finds a way to be honest at the core of who you are about who you really are. And if your identity is not fully in God, you're going to suffer the rest of your life. That's just shooting straight with you. It's true. It has to be in God. My identity is in Christ. So pain inflicted by people causes us to want to avoid people. And God wants us to be healthy enough to actually enjoy people, to look forward to being with someone or look forward to being with a group. I have three small groups in my life, and, and I'm thankful. I have a, pastor, a small pastor's group that I meet with regularly. I have a friendship group guys group that I meet with and we have a couples group that we meet with and it's wonderful and they're all different and they're all fulfilling but I'm telling you I can go deep with a few and and I want to give you just I don't think these are even in your outline but there's like four little tips in order to be effective in community that I think you need to have in your life the first one is just a willing heart have a willing heart if, if, you, if you can say, I have a willing heart to share my life with someone, that's the starting place. The next one is to give and receive. To give and receive. I can't just be taken all the time. But am I interested in someone else? It's the there you are that we talked about a few weeks ago. Not here I am, but it's, it's there you are. Tell me about what's going on in your life. 
Another one is you got to keep confidences. Man, if someone spills their heart out to you, you better, you better take it to God and no one else. I love, I love the story of the three pastors that were together and they were really going deep. And one of them said, man, i got to just confess. I'm a thief. I've been taking money right out of the offering. And I've done it for years. I feel horrible. I'm going to stop. I need your prayers. They said, man, that's, that's bad. We need to pray. The other one said, I, I have a problem with lust. And I, I don't know what to do with it. I've, I've tried. But you guys, you need to pray for me. You need to hold me accountable. The third guy said, man, I, I have a problem with gossip. And I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> that is not the group you want to be in, all right, right there. So pay attention to who you go deep with. Pay attention to their world and their behavior. All of these things matter. I, I want to just close with just some consider this week stuff. So number one, evaluation. Evaluation. Who is in your life? Who is in your life? Write your name down if you want to right now or later. It doesn't have to be now, this week. But think hard about this. This would be the people that know you really. Even the bad stuff. And they still love you. Now I'm going to make a statement. You don't have to agree with me. It's fine. Everyone has the right to be wrong. No kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. If you have one or two people in that inner core group of your life, you are blessed because many people have zero. No one truly knows them authentically because they just can't find the courage to be completely honest about what's really happening in their life to the core of who they are. They can tell God because God already knows. But if you have one or two, you're doing really good. That should not be a big circle. There's probably five circles of relationships in your life Who's in the inner? Who's in the friendship circle? Who's in the social circle? All these are different circles. Number two, awareness. Am I paying attention to others? Am I simply looking around in the world that I'm living in? Do I recognize? Am I sensitive? I see a a need that someone has, and I'm responding to that. I, I love this quote. A man went out to find a friend and found none. A man went out to be a friend and found many. Big difference. Let's be a friend. I had a fun thing happen. Got a note from one of our teenagers on a card that he said, Timberline Church is letting love live. And I thought, I can't wait to read this. And I pulled in the parking lot here, and I have an old truck, and the antifreeze was leaking out the front. And a guy pulled up next to me in another truck and looked at it and said, you're leaking antifreeze. And he said, I know. I don't know what the problem was. I don't know anything about this stuff. And the guy said, well, I'm a mechanic. You want me to take a look at it? Sure. Opened the hood, took it. Oh, I, I can fix this easy. Bring it by my shop, and uh, we'll take care of it. Done. Free. How many of you would like the name of that mechanic in our church? <laughs> Why? Because that mechanic was saying, there you are. That mechanic was saying, there's a need next to me, and I see it. Number three, that's koinonia, by the way, decision. Will I commit to this? You know, it's one thing to have knowledge. It's another to do it. It's one thing to know all this stuff. You can be so knowledgeable about God and Bible and all this stuff, but it's another one to live it out. I'm, I'm stretching 
to live all this stuff out. Every day I'm stretching. And it's not easy. Sometimes it's just easier to be left alone. But when you get into someone's life, I promise you, it's a lot easier to get into someone's life than it is to get out of them their life. And it's costly. And you need to pay attention to it. But here's what I know. I need community. I believe it is best for me to experience this kind of koinonia. I believe God wants the best for me and will use others in my life to make me the best me that I could ever be. (laughs) I wasn't trying to make all that rhyme, but it does. I want to tell you in conclusion that I had an experience when I was 16 years old that I always go back to and I think of often. I had the privilege of having a friend from a youth camp who knew a guy out in North Carolina who had a bunch of fishing boats. Now, these are big boats, 120, 150 feet long, and they are scallop boats, and they're crab boats. It depends on what time of year. I went when it was scallop season, and they literally farmed these scallops at the bottom of the ocean out in the Atlantic, and we would, we would go out 300 miles out of North Carolina to sea for 10 days at a time. You wouldn't even see land. For a 16-year-old, this was my first, I, I was a lake ski boat guy. That's different than the ocean. And they would drag those nets for two hours, and they would pull up everything, all kinds of stuff. And we would keep the scallops and lobster, throw everything else back in. And, I mean, it was rough. Sometimes we had to tie ourselves on deck. It was dangerous. But we got into this hurricane, and our captain, who's done this his whole life, kind of tried to skirt it and go around to the side, and it kind of kept chasing us. And we were in these huge swells. I don't know what's going on, but I'm scared to death. They tied everything down, made us get off deck. We're up front. And these swelled. They felt to me like they were as big as this building. And we would go up, and then all of a sudden we would just go, you know, it would just be like, I was scared for my life. I went up to our captain, and I said, look, I mean, you can be honest with me. Are we Okay. I'll never forget any of these huge hands that were like callous, looked like glass on the cable could go through his hands. It was crazy. And he put his big old arm around me and he said, Derry, I know it's your first time out at sea like this, but me and Ironside, Ironside was the name of our vessel. Me and Ironside have been in storms a lot worse than this, and we're going to be just fine. And then he said, we have prepared We've buttoned down all the hatches. We've tied everything down. The engines are in great shape. Our nose is going right into it. Why don't you just go get some sleep? I tell you that because when you have koinonia, when you have community, and people who love and invest in you and you in them, When the storm of life tries to take you out, and it will, you'll be ready. You'll have relationships that go deeper than a card game. You'll have people who can take you by the hand and pray over you and believe God with you and walk to hell and back with you because you're not alone. That's God's plan for you. That's what he wants for you. It's hard to always have that. 
But if you want to face the storms, then let's be the people. Guys, I want our church to be a place where we love each other. There's, there's a variety of opinions in here. I get it. But let's love each other. It was Jesus who actually said, they're going to know, they're going to know who you are by, by how you love each other. Because that, that's koinonia. The world doesn't have that. This is birthed by the Spirit of God. So let's love one another. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for koinonia, for fellowship, for community. Thank you for this health check that I can evaluate who is in my life. Who am I really being honest with? Send me one. Put one or two. Let me be that one or two in someone else's life. With heads bowed, I just, I just want to challenge you. If you need God today, that's where this community starts. Just say it right now. Lord, I need you. I need you. Start with that. God is here. He wants to be in you because he's for you. And he created you for community. Secondly, acknowledge that you need others. But you don't understand. I'm independent. I worked all my life to be independent. Well, I'm sorry. God wants you to have others in your life. In healthy relationships that go beyond just you. But here's one that I'm going to ask you to respond to. You guys, when I ask people to raise their hand in settings like this, I don't even pay attention to who does. Because I think there's something that happens for me and most people physically. When you lift your hand up to God and you acknowledge, it's what happens in you. You're saying, I'm, I'm that. And I'm acknowledging it right now. And some of you have been wounded to such a degree that you don't let people in. Now, you don't understand, Pastor Derry, what, what, no, I don't. And I get it. And be careful with this. It's not just anyone you need to let into your life. But God wants you to start a journey today of seeking after that and letting that wound begin to heal through the Spirit of God. If you know that your wounds are keeping you from trusting others and being the best you can be with koinonia, would you lift your hand, please, to God? God, thank you for these. We, as their family, pray over them in the mighty name of Jesus, the healer, the provider. Be strong in them today. Start a process today. Let the journey begin today. Give clarity about that next step, just that little baby step, Lord. I thank you for them. And we as a church embrace them. We want the best for them. You can put your hands down. God bless you. Thank you. Now trust God to put the right people. Pray about that. Lord, who is it? And be open to that next step. And you might need to seek counsel for this. A good counselor who loves God, who can help you with this process of opening your life back up and overcoming these wounds that go so deep. Last thing is, will I be a friend? <laughs> will I be a friend? Just ask that question now. Lord, show me how to be a friend. No strings attached. In Jesus' name, amen.